Welcome to today's Central Asia Life, where we look at social changes and issues affecting daily life in the region. My name is Bermet Talant, and this talk is hosted by Radio for Europe Radio Liberty. RFERL has more than 200 journalists from the region and provides news in all five local languages, as well as Russian and English. Central Asia has a large young population. It is said that around half of the region's population is under 30 years old. This means the demand for education is high. The region inherited its public higher education system from the Soviet era. A diverse range of privately owned universities emerged during the independence years. Some of them offer quality Western style education, although their tuition fees can be too expensive for most ordinary Central Asians. Some have been nothing more than diploma factories used to obtain degrees rather than knowledge. Across the region, universities are struggling with funding and shortages of academic staff. This, along with high unemployment and low wages, forces young people to go abroad for education and work. Joining us today to talk about higher education in two Central Asian countries, Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, Nafisa Unihojaeva, a university student from Dushanbe, and Nigina Saida, a private university instructor from Tashkent. Great to have you both here today. Before we continue, if you have a question or a comment, you can press request in your Twitter mobile app and we'll bring you in. Or you can send a direct message to at RFERL or reply to a tweet pinned in this space. Nafisa, um, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, you're about to start your third year at a Tajik Russian um, Slavonic University, which is a state university, I believe. Have you been satisfied with the education you're receiving there? Um, good day, everyone. Yes, sure, I like the education, but of course we have some issues that we are facing nowadays, and sometimes it makes our education system a bit complicated. Uh, what do you wish was different? Um, I wish we had a chance to an opportunity, for instance, just to choose our classes ourselves, to choose uh, maybe our professors. And also, I wish we had a better student life in our university. Tell us about Tajikistan's higher education system. Are most universities public or private? And what is the process of getting into university? Um, it's, I think it's different from other Central Asian countries. Uh, first, you go to the National Testing Center and if you get accepted, uh, but usually uh, students choose public universities uh, rather than um, rather than, uh, I mean, they, they prefer state universities more. And after you get accepted, you, you may choose your, I mean, you have to choose 12, 12 universities. And if you get accepted, you may study there. So um, 12 universities, so if you don't get into your first choice, then you can go to the second choice and so on. Yes, it works. So you're basically guaranteed a place at any university. 12 universities is a lot. Yes, it's a lot, but it also depends on the, on your score. It mostly depends on your score. Mm -hmm. Was your university your first choice? Uh, no, it was my second choice. My first choice was MSU, but I could uh, like... 
uh, some if it's not public university they require their own examination and i couldn't pass from that mm -hmm. what about tuition fees um is education free in state universities and uh, no you can choose or for free or for, uh, to pay if you if you study for free you have to work in tajikistan after you graduate after your graduation that's why students prefer to pay for their education now that they get their diploma as soon as they finish their university mm -hmm. what about your high school peers did many of them go to universities in tajikistan or did they um, go abroad not all of them, actually, because I am from district and from here, it's pretty difficult just to set even in Dushanbe. They, they, most of them uh, choose to study in colleges, not in universities. So like local colleges in, in your region? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you are not from Dushanbe, you said. Did you feel that you had equal opportunities to go study in the top university in the capital city or do you feel that you had to work harder? And no, I think it was the same. Also, we, we had uh, other instructors from, who came from Dushanbe and just explained us more about like applying to universities. And I didn't, I felt equal, I think. Mm -hmm. Are you considering studying abroad after you finish your first degree? Yes, sure. I'd like to study. I would like to take my master's degree in Europe. In Europe. Where do you want to go? Oh, uh, it depends. I, I'd like to try some programs like maybe Erasmus Mundus because it gives opportunity to study in several universities there. Mm -hmm. Is it common for Tajik students to pursue master's degrees? And uh, not really, Some, like mostly boys uh, choose to have their master's degree here in Tajikistan. Um, but but usually, as I mean, students start working after their bachelor, bachelor degree. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you very much. We'll get back to you. Um, Nigina, you've heard Nafisa about the process of getting into university in Tajikistan. Um, how is it different in Uzbekistan, if it's different? And how difficult is it to get into university for young Uzbeks? Um, hi, Birmet, and hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, unfortunately, in Uzbekistan, it's um, very competitive. The government has been trying, doing their best to simplify the process as well. Um, I remember um, around 10, even like six years ago, you could apply to one university per year. Like the annual examinations usually happen in August. And every year by August, you could apply to one public university. And if you uh, score enough um, points, uh, balls, we call it, sorry, uh, you get into the university. If not, you will have to take a gap year. Um, from recently, after the government change, there were some good reforms in education system, especially in higher education system. And currently, students can apply, I guess, up to five universities per year. Uh, exams are still conducted by DTM, Adavlatis Markaza State um, Test Testing Center, I guess, in English. And you can apply up to five universities and you can choose, like if you're accepted to three of them, you can, it 
it's just up to your choice. But the, the mm-hmm. majors also should be the same because you have to take like uh, same exams. So, uh, but they are still really competitive. Um, the in Uzbekistan, uh, I guess almost everyone wants to get uh, higher education because it's seen not only prestigious but also as as a guarantee to have a stable, um, secured job. I'm sorry, like languages sometimes um, get mixed in my head. Um, for example, like uh, in 2015. Uh, the quota for students were over 50,000, I believe, but over 500 uh, young people applied. So the ratio was like uh, 9 to 1. This year, 1.2 million people have applied to state public universities in Uzbekistan. And the state quota is uh, over slightly over 120,000, meaning that the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 proportions are like ten to one, and uh, it's really competitive as you are seeing. And why is competition so high for state universities? Is that because it's the study is free there, or are there any other perks, or the quality of education is higher? Um, no, absolutely not. Um, there are. Um, Last time I checked, there were 130 universities across university, right? And it should include around five religious um, education entities as well. Uh, The thing, and um, this number should include uh, foreign branches of foreign universities in Uzbekistan as well. for one, I think it's because of the number of population in Uzbekistan. We have over 35 million people. Um, this is like the most uh, populous country in Central Asia, and uh, there are young people. And uh, having a diploma is seen like securing a job at any time in your life. Like you might find at least um, teaching job or anything similar. Like uh, it could be like low paying, but you will have a job. Uh, regarding the university fees, they are, um, I would say they are quite expensive. It ranges from um, 8 million, so it's $800, right, to 10, in, uh, 10, 12 in state universities. It might seem very cheap by Western standards, like $1,800, but for locals, I believe it is still, uh, it weighs a lot. Uh, given that average salary is between two hundred and three hundred dollars per month, um, it still matters. Um, yeah. Yes. So you yourself graduated from a state university in Uzbekistan, and then oh, went for a master's. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then went for a master's degree in a European university. So, what mm-hmm. were the differences in learning and teaching? And did you feel prepared by your Uzbek education? <laughs> No, unfortunately not. Um, uh, unfortunately, the uh, when when I studied, there was still this Soviet uh, style of teaching and studying, where teachers are seen as um, someone at a higher position, where they dictate what classroom goes on, mostly like lecture based, and most important thing, of course, was. Uh, your notebooks, your note-taking skills, like for every lecture, like if you want to prove that you are studying, you have 
to have notebooks. Like it is not uh, knowledge oriented, but uh, proof oriented studies. Um, and at the same time, uh, I also observed that like we were overwhelmed with many um, subjects which we are not majoring in. For example, I majored uh, in my bachelor's degree in philology and language teaching, um, English being the first language uh, taught there. But we were, uh, we had to take um, very different uh, classes like uh, small business, president's uh, works, or um, physical training classes, or um some geography related classes like over 44 different classes where our major classes would make around maybe 20 of them these things have been changed since the new government came along uh, i believe they've been um cutting those unnecessary subjects that are not related to the major that you are taking um, but I but I also partially think this was done to keep students in the campus in the university, so like students would not go to clubs or get engaged into this what um, uh, what the government would see like harmful for the use. So like the more subjects you have, the more you would be stuck in the campus, the more you would be uh, working on your note takings, um, etc. So you wouldn't have simply time to go outside the university this is interesting what you describe actually reminds me of my own university years in kyrgyzstan and i entered university oh my god 16 years ago and um it was the same we had like three dozen subjects uh most of which we didn't know we didn't need um there were instructors who never worked a day in journalism um <laughs> The coursework was extremely theoretical and parochial and um, bribery to pass exams was commonplace. And yes. I remember how uh, we were told that Western universities train narrow specialists while our universities prepared this like versatile intellectual. Yes. That's why we, we needed to take all this subject. Yes. Um, so Nafisa, is it still the same? Like you are currently in university, is it? Is the education system is the same? Uh, unfortunately, yes, we we practice is the same. But maybe, uh, like on August 9th this year, we are we we will have a big conference. I think it will be a state conference where they are building a new strategy, and maybe some changes are going to be there. But basically, you also have lots of lots of different subjects. And yes, and have to take notes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Nigina, now you teach at a Western-style private university, and remembering your own student years, what do you do differently in your work? Um, I'm still struggling to find my own style of teaching. I guess um, it's really hard, but. Um, I try more like student-oriented classes where I would uh, like them to engage more into discussion and learn from each other. But um, it's hard in a sense um, like to dismantle this class hierarchy where they see teacher as someone um, 
I, I don't know, with power maybe, <laughs> if I'm not exaggerating, and they expect um, like directions or like they expect you to tell them what to do. This is one thing I struggle with. Another thing, um, again, um, discussions get really hard, like to engage students into discussion is hard. Um, and the language is also like a little bit um, problem. Um, I focus on to like to get rid of all the tests and others where it would require their like memorizing skills and focus on writing papers like which would involve like critical thinking and analysis. Um, but what I observe is like schools do not prepare them much for uh, these kind of tasks. Uh, and every semester, for example, I I spare one class to to work with them on um, uh, citing, uh, paraphrasing, uh, avoiding plagiarism, and et cetera. Because in their mind, if they have worked on the topic, if they um, dig it on the internet and uh, found some materials, it's their job. They It's hard for them to understand that it is plagiarism. It's stealing. So um, that's one thing I struggle with. Another thing is... Um, language, as I mentioned, because uh, students usually prepare for exams, right? Either, either they focus on grammar or taking IELTS exams, especially like IELTS writing. And when they are tasked with writing critical response papers or final or midterm papers or discussions, what they try to do is mostly showing their language skills, not the topic. Mm -hmm. Just a quick reminder that if you'd like to ask a question or share your opinion on the subject that we're discussing today, you can indicate that you want to speak up by pressing the request button on your mobile app, or you can send a direct message to at RFERL, or reply to a tweet pinned in this spaces. Um, so Nafisa and Nigina, the question to you, to you both, what are in your view the broader structural problems in higher education in your countries? Um, should I go, or I yes, of course. To speak first. Um, I believe schools should focus on uh, teaching in small classes because um, higher education is better in Uzbekistan, I believe, compared to secondary education, where schools are like one in one class there are thirty, sometimes forty students for one teacher and like classes run 45 minutes, you simply like physically cannot teach anything to students. So I believe like um, class sizes should be smaller and like teachers should be given more time to teach properly, to prepare them for um, higher education properly. And the testing system may be too overwhelming. Um, so far, I guess it's the best way given the number of applicants every year but um, better way of selecting students uh, should be developed I believe because um, you see the belief in Uzbekistan is that the hardest part of uh, getting higher education is entrance exam that's it it doesn't matter what you do afterwards uh, in most cases 
you graduate. As long as like you keep going to university, you keep paying fees, you graduate. It doesn't matter whether you are um, studying well. It doesn't matter like whether you are barely passing. Uh, the the procedure of actually disqualifying you from your student status is more overwhelming for authorities at universities than just keeping you and keep giving you chances. I taught at um, at my university in uh, in Uzbekistan at public university when I was graduating uh, as part of internship, right? And we had to teach third year students who were studying at world language universities. And what I observed there, uh, half of the class could not speak any English. And this is world language university, and they are major. They are majoring in English. That already speaks of the quality of the graduates. So, um, one thing I believe that um, entrance exams should be um, not that difficult, but studying should be harder, like uh, demanding. Mm -hmm. Nafisa, you are on the receiving end of the education system. Uh, do you have any thoughts, any opinions on the structural problems that you see? Yes, of course. I think we have to work more on digitalization right now uh, because uh, it's already time to use in every classes some new technologies, which is very important in 21st century, of course. And as I know from to, from 2018, in our country, there is a there is a law which uh, which requires teachers to use new methods that they are providing, like using communicate like classes should be based on communication and teamwork. But unfortunately, nowadays teachers are not as confident uh, as we want to. They are to be because they are not using them at all. And it would be better if, like at school, starting from school, they like students gain as much. Uh, skills as they can now that it will help their them in their university studies mm -hmm. are your instructors at university mostly kind of older people or are there many younger teachers instructors with maybe western education um, yes of course we have some teachers who got their masters uh, in european countries but still they i don't know why they 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 are not as uh, maybe they don't like their job or some I, I just cannot understand them but we have some professors they are old but they give the information very um, very good they represent it good mm -hmm. uh, when we talked to you before this program you mentioned that you particularly wanted to study at a Russian university in Tajikistan why is that uh, I meant I wanted to study in Russian language, not in Tajik. In Russian language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but not Russian university. Okay, why is that? Um, because my Tajik is not um, good. I, I, now that I'm in, I grow up in the district, I, my classes were held in Uzbek. And then I had to have an exam in Russian too, that's why. And mostly I studied okay. in Russian language here too. Mm -hmm, I see. Um, so when I think about um, education in Kyrgyzstan, it, it seems to be the same in um, your countries. 
I think there's a big gap between professions that are popular among young people and specialists that the labor market actually needs. Um, is that an issue as well in your countries? I just remember that, at least in my time, when I went to university, there were a lot of, lot of young people going to study law and economy and economics um, while nobody went to study, for example, to become vets, you know, or and we're a large um, country that produces livestock. Um, so is that a, the same issue in your countries? And how do you think we should fix that? Uh, yes, we have the same issue. Most of the students, they choose social sciences and medicine. That's why in these two groups, they they require a higher score. And National Testing Center already, like, every time when you go to register, they remind us, like, it would be better to choose other groups. Now that you the you can get to that university is easy, easier. Nikina, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. Um, I'm sorry, no. Yeah, that's um, okay. I'm not much aware of labor market. Okay, that's okay. Um, well, you mentioned the quality of students who come to universities, uh, but in large part, it also depends on their teachers, right? And we're seeing a huge brain drain out of the region. It's not only young people leaving the region to study abroad and they they try to stay there. They try to stay in the, those countries. But we're also seeing qualified specialists, teachers and doctors leaving their home countries for better wages. Um, how? Wh what do you think about this problem? How can we fix the problem with education without teachers, basically? How do we keep them? Um, one answer would be like speaking just uh, from perspectives of Uzbekistan. I have recently um, published it on teachers' exodus in Uzbekistan, like why they are leaving public schools. I was focusing on secondary school education, and number one reason is always salary. Teachers are paid very low. Teachers, doctors are paid very low. It's around three hundred dollars if you have full time job. You teach right and. Uh, you have to compare the uh, compare it with other entities that offer the same job, like private schools in Uzbekistan is um, very popular. It's not like exactly schools we call um, study centers, right? Uh, where they prepare you to, for one subject to pass uh, university examination, let's say, or you choose like a few subjects and after the class, after your schools, you can go and study there. So teachers are well paid compared to uh, public schools or sometimes even public universities um, in prestigious public, uh, private centers or private schools. You can earn around thousand dollars per month while in public um, public schools, you can earn around uh, 300 and the public uh, state universities, you earn around uh, 500 and plus, right? That's one thing. Another thing is also the conditions that you are provided with. In schools, like I mentioned, about 30, 40 students per class. Um, and the, 
bureaucratic hurdles is almost never ending. Like you have always be filling some kind of papers. Attendance is just one part of it where you have to spend like 10 minutes at least for every class checking who is present, who is not. And then it goes to further like lesson plans, um, other plans. Like you, you keep submitting those papers. At university level, it's the same. I have a friend who works, um, I guess I have, Actually, I have a few friends who works at state universities. Um, they have a very good knowledge. They uh, they have good degrees, etc. But they work only to have their diplomas back because they studied in budget, right? They have to work at public universities. Or they needed just to have in their pension books to show like, look, I have worked there for this many years, but their main job is at private schools or private centers where they are well paid, where they have a good condition. So if state wants to tackle this problem, if state wants to retain teachers and invite more qualified teachers, they have, uh, they should be given uh, higher salaries and they should, um, they should be given more better conditions. Mm -hmm. Because you you see, um, another factor is also the status of a teacher. Um, It is not like um, well perceived in the society. If you are a woman, yes, of course. Um, Like for women, being a teacher, probably like one of the best positions, right? But for men, you cannot simply feed your family. Everybody knows um, like on a socioeconomic level how much you earn and you will get treated accordingly. Nafisa? I... I think we have the same issue as uh, as Nigina Khan just now like mentioned. Uh, we... I mean, status of the teacher in our country, we have to work on that issue too. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested like in the future? So you study international relations. Would you be interested to come back and teach? I think no. Maybe I will I will teach how to teach, but I maybe, but I'm not really sure about teaching. Mm-hmm. Actually, so I we see... Been... Sorry. I worked and taught Sorry, English no, in, in some centers, and I like that job. But I mean, in public schools, I wouldn't like teach because, as as they mentioned before, as there was mentioned before, there are more than 30, 40 students in one class, and it's very complicated job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard Nigina saying in Uzbekistan to study for free in state universities, you have to kind of pay back and work uh, for public institutions after graduation. We know that in Kazakhstan, there is a Bolashak program, which is a scholarship to study overseas, but then um, students have to come back with their foreign degrees and work uh, for in Kazakhstan for at least five years, I believe. Uh, would you be interested in this kind of funding program? Um, I, I think no, because before I entered to my university, they required me a presidential quota uh, to study for free, but 
Uh, after I graduated from university, I had to work for three years in Tajikistan, but I didn't want to. Why don't you want to work for Tajikistan in exchange for free education? Like free education? I just believe that if you want, if I want to take free education in Tajikistan, I could get it for free um, because, uh, as I mentioned, you can just choose do you want to study in a budget or do you want to pay for a university? And I chose to pay for my university in order to get my diploma as soon as I finish now that I can go uh, and study abroad soon. Mm-hmm. So you basically wanted to not have this kind of commitments to the state. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I because I don't know what well, kind of job are they going to provide me in the future. Would I like it or not? Because they will find job for you and you have to to work there. Well, um, I don't think we have any questions coming in. Um, and I think we'll wrap up this space. Thanks to our guests and listeners for joining this Twitter space today and to RFERL for hosting it. We are going to take a break for the rest of the month. So follow RFERL on Twitter so as not to miss the new episodes. And we will also be happy to receive your feedback and suggestions for topics for the future. Have a great day.